It's a good weekend. Another beautiful weather still. Come on. Just loving, love to see the mountain when the mountain's out, right? It's just been great days, and uh, Lord's just kind of preserving the leaves, not blown away, and, uh, and uh, no snow yet, you know, and, and uh, you know, if you have any friends in upper state New York, that they have six feet, so a little different here. So glad to hear if you're new with us. My name is Dan Sturz, the pastor here. If you're on the line, we're glad you're here, wherever you are in the world. But if you live in Whatcom County, we'd love for you to come on Sunday morning right here in person. Uh, to be here with us. We're wrapping up our series. Can you believe it? I don't know if you're sad about it. I'm kind of a little bit sad. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed presenting it, but also the interaction we've had. We've had great small group discussion. If you've been in my small group, it's been great. Maybe your group too. It's just been some really good uh, times, and we've been reading the Bible, and we've been reading a lot of the Bible. Like this last week, we read 13 chapters. My goodness, that's a lot of Bible. Can you get too much Bible? I don't know, but it's, a, it's good. It's good stuff. And, and if it's been helpful for you, we'd love to hear some feedback. If you could shoot an email to myself or Jake, our small group director, we'd love to get the feedback, the positive feedback, what was really good, if you could tell some stories and maybe some specifics So what happened in your group. But also, next time, it's great when we do something like this to get a little feedback of how we can improve it. You know, if there's some ideas that we could do, what about this? Because it, it, maybe it was good, but how can we make it better? How can we make it more effective? And so whether it's the group guide that we put together, the, the growth guide or group time and the series, whatever it is, we love to continue to do this type of thing. But it is, you know, bittersweet as we wrap up, but we're moving on here in this in getting into the Christmas season. But the, as I've gone through it, as you've been able to read the 50 chapters of Genesis, or really the entire scripture, there is one overarching theme that I've found. At least it speaks to me that, that, that God has impressed upon me, and it's just very basic and very affirming that, that the Lord has given me and received from it. And, and there's, again, there's a lot of major themes, but there's one that's really stood out for me. In fact, it just, it's become very personally, uh, even lately, uh, uh, you know, we all have gone through what we've gone through in life, but this one thought kind of came about uh, just last few weeks kind of developed for me where I knew this, I knew this overall truth about God, but it has impacted me so incredibly lately. And it came, it came across a little bit when I was meeting with my, my new friend, Kevin, and Kevin is a retired pastor now counselor for pastors. And if you're thinking, pastors need counselors? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, 47%, the statistic came out, 47% of pastors have seriously considered leaving the ministry. Not leaving their church, but leaving the ministry. Okay, we've heard the great resignation. It's happening all over, and it's even affected the church. That's a, that's a startling thing, right? That's you know, like, now seriously consider, come on, we've had those weeks, right? Uh, but with all that is our own mental, emotional health is very, very important. So Kevin and I have been meeting, and, and, you know, when you go through therapy and you go through it all, you know, you go to where trauma exists. You know, where, how did you get to where you were is either how you were loved or how you were hurt. And so you go to the, the trauma, the, the big T trauma, the little T trauma, and, and there was a big tree big T trauma that, that I experienced well, it was on my 14th birthday. And, and, and Kevin's like, tell me about that. And so I said, well, I was at basketball practice and, 
and I was not getting, my mom was late picking me up. I'm like, what's going on? And my, my mom's cousin and his wife there, and they, we, hey, your mom is busy. She wants us to pick you up. So we go, and we, we turn onto my street, and, and I'm on the block, and I see fire engines and EMT ambulances and everything, and there's just crowds of people. And, and so we pull in, and, and I get in a running yard and go up to my house and there's someone there that says you can't come in and, and I'm like I'm getting in there it's my house and so I go and I look and there's my uh, my dad laid out on a, a stretcher and they're about ready to take him to the hospital you know come to find you know later on three weeks later he he had a heart attack and he passed away so here's this moment and this is a moment I've relived hundred times you know I told the story and I've told this I told it here and 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 he, he, Kevin asked me this question. He asked, he asked you know, the typical questions like, where were you? How did you feel? What, what did you go through when you're experiencing this? But he asked me this one question in the 38 years of that, since that experience happened that I've never been asked before. And it ties in to what, what we're going to talk about and specifically who we're going to be looking at this morning and really kind of the living and, and really the living room of our own life and where, where we're at and, and what's happening because this when he asked me this question, it dislodged something in my heart. It was there, I'm like I've never been asked this, and it just it freed me a bit. It there was there was something that was there that revealed and it and it, and it actually what it did was it it dislodged it in such a way and gave me a look at it where I'm going, oh that's what's going on in my life. Not what happened, but what's happening to me now. How I am reacting to life, to people, to challenges, and everything that's going on is connected to... I'm, I'm fading in and out here. Uh, and it, it, it has affected me immensely. And, and, and decisions I've made, and, how, and, and there was this narrative of abandonment. This narrative abandonment, and it, 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 it's filtered in. And, and so, I don't know about you, but if you have ever felt like left out, felt like pushed aside, felt disregarded, or discarded even, you and I can relate with the person we're going to look at today as we wrap up this series is, is the life of Joseph. And when we look at Joseph, when we look at his narrative, there's this massively important assurance that God gives that I think I think for for some of us today maybe a lot of us today maybe would unlock maybe would dislodge a little bit else that's in your heart as well and so because if I don't really think if we if I'm thinking if there's something that's bothering you is something that is causing you to react to some unhealthy ways I think there could be some greater freedom there's some things that are hanging you up that actually you could find some some release and a healing process take place. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in and, you know, for myself, after my dad passed away and then my mom married again, and I ended up instantly having four stepbrothers that I didn't necessarily expect that in my life. And it, it, as much as that happened for me, I can't quite relate with 10, 10 half-brothers that Joseph had. And when you read into Genesis chapter 37, you just sense this immediate dysfunction and complexity.
complexity that's going on. And if you've been in a blended family, some of you had kind of like, it kind of blended slowly in, it merged, and then one day this happened, this happened, all of a sudden you're like, who are these people living with me? This, this is relatable probably for you. But what was happening, this interesting thing in this blended family was that, that Joseph's dad, Jacob, had 10 children with this one wife. And then this, he really loved this, as we talked last week, this, this woman named Rachel who couldn't have children. Finally, she could have a child, and the child's name was Joseph. Jacob, it's even there in the Bible, it says that Jacob really appreciated and shown favoritism toward Joseph and not so much to the other sons that he had. And so knowing this, that as this child became of age, he sent Joseph out in the field to check up on the, the big brothers. Say, hey, go out there, check on the field, see how they're doing. And they, he, Joseph would come back and report and go like, well, dad, they're kind of slacking a little bit. They're not, they need to step up. And so Joseph would step in and he would, he, or, or Jacob would actually, you know, be upset with the, the, the boys. And so all this is going on. This, this, there's this favoritism that, that Jacob has toward Joseph that one day, that makes you kind of almost cringe to hear this, but you've been in maybe settings like this where someone's presented this gift and you're going, ah, what's going, what, this is so weird, this is happening. But this, this, uh, this presentation that, Jacob gives Joseph is a coat of many colors that he handmade for his beloved favorite youngest son. Can you imagine that moment when, when they, hey everybody, let's get the family together. I got a presentation. I'm so excited. Joseph, here, open this up. No, 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 put it on. I want to see, show everybody your jacket. Look at this. I made it for you. Isn't it beautiful? How cringy is that, right? How they're just—they're just so, you know, like really. And it, the Bible says at that point, they, they, the, the brothers were just jealous of Joseph, and like they didn't have anything good to say about him. So he—he—he he, he basically has this—this this, you know tension that's building. Joseph continues to go and report, and kind of we used to say our brothers, and this expression of this. Growing, uh, growing up, you know what that feels like. It says this of this favoritism in verse 4. It says, when, when, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of, of them, he hated them and could not speak a kind word to them. So he's blackballed. But to make matters worse, Joseph has these dreams. That the dream is that, that one day his brothers and his mom and dad would bow down to him. Now in his nativity... He, you know, I don't know, maybe this was going to be the Thanksgiving dinner conversation. Hey, by the way, ting, 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 just want to let you know, I've had these dreams. Uh, one day, you all are going to bow down to me. I'm going to be your boss, right? That does, that's not going to go well. That's not going to be the way you win your family over, right? It, it, it's just like, buddy, that's, that's not good. And so they become extremely jealous of them. And so what they end up doing is they're, they're like, you know, if you ever said to your younger brother and sister, I'm going to kill you. You know, they literally were going to do that. They plotted to do the, to, to take him out. And so another day comes by, they're working in the field or lack of work in the field. And then they go, oh, here comes Joe. Here's our little brother. He's, so, you know, what, he's a dream. Here's that dreamer coming our way. And they're like, we're going to take him out. We're going to kill him. And you think, these guys are 
these guys are thugs. Yeah, they were. You read probably a chapter or two before where they, they, they wiped out the entire village of men. The, all the, they killed all the men in the village. Why? Because one of them had, had it raped their sister. Like this, these guys are prone to violence. To take out a, a little brother is not going to be a problem for them. But, but Reuben, the oldest, going, no, 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 guys, we, we can't do that. We can't do that. And not so much he was trying to protect his little brother. It was like, dad will be mad. Okay? That's not a good idea. So they plotted something. They're trying to think, well, well what do we do? Let's stick them in the well. Let's keep them there, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. And so they're trying to decide what to do with them. This caravan of Ishmaelites come along, and they say, I know what we'll do. Is we, will, we, will, we will we'll sell them for a slave. And like, well, then what will dad know? They, so then they took the coat. And they ripped it up, and they put some animal blood on it, and, and, and they brought it to the, Jacob, and he cried, he's mourned, my son. And that's what happened. That's what took place. Joseph is resold to a guy named Potiphar, the captain of the Egyptian guard. And what comes out in chapter 39 is interesting. There is this one major theme. Again, this, this one thing that really spoke to me, that, that, that Kevin even brought out for me. I think it's so powerful. It's, it, it's this. It's this one major theme that comes out. And this is what it is. is the Lord was, can you say it with me? What does it say here? The Lord was what? With Joseph. So he prospered. He lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And then later on in verse 5, it says that from the time he put in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of, of, of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Despite, think of the betrayal, despite all this pain, the Bible says that Joseph, God was with Joseph. And it's interesting, in this with, with, with him comes this favor. And I think there's a link as you, we see the story on is that Joseph was being faithful to what God's given him, and that yet that, that faithfulness was actually very much tested here as we look at. See, Joseph one day was minding his own business, and, and, and Potiphar's wife... Uh, probably had too much time on her hands, but she saw Joseph and had a liking to him. Let's just say she had the hots for him. And coming along, coming along, there's this time, and she's trying to, hey, she basically says one, one day, she says to him, come and sleep with me, okay? Not a subtle woman, okay? Not a subtle woman at all. And he resists, and he resists, and one day, she grabs onto him, and he re pulls away, and the the Bible says the coat is left in her hands. I'm thinking, this guy's got to get rid of his jackets, okay? This is getting him in a problem here. And so he flees. Well, now she's got this, now she, just to cover her own tracks, she goes to her husband and says, hey, one of your, your Hebrew slaves, they try, he tried to, to, try to, to rape me, and here I have evidence of this coat. Well, of course, you know, the husband's going to believe the wife. And so Joseph is put into prison. Here he is, though. Verse 30, or chapter 9 again, later on, listen to what it says. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was, say it with me, with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all who held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
But here it is. It's just the Lord was with him in, in, in this whole false accusation. He's with him in the prison and gives favor upon him. And, and he becomes a person they can trust. And so the Bible says, if you look at the chronological order, he's there for many years. He's there in prison and, and he becomes put in charge of the guard. And the guard puts him in charge and, and different people come and go and, and some are good, some are bad of all that happened to them. And then one time the, the cupbearer of Pharaoh is there. And, and this guy had a dream and, and then Joseph was able to, uh, he was able to interpret the dream and it was interesting that all this happened. And so this cupbearer goes back to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh says, hey, I've been having these dreams. And, you know, cupbearers real close to the, to the king, right? And he says, well, hey, I know a guy. I know a guy in, in prison. His name's Joseph. Well, let's get him here. He, you know, he, he can, I need help to interpret this dream. And so Pharaoh is brought before, Joseph's brought before the Pharaoh and says, I heard you can interpret dreams. And Joseph's response is this. It's, he says, it's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. And so what the dream was is that Pharaoh had this dream that there'd be seven fat and seven skinny cows and there's seven stocks with wheat and with heads and seven without. And, and so what, what Joseph interprets is saying, hey, there's going to be seven years of abundance and then there's going to be seven years of famine. Pharaoh, you better stock up. And so that's what takes place. And it's interesting, Pharaoh's reaction to this. I find it interesting. Remember, Pharaoh, okay, you know, you know if you study Egypt, they, I mean, they were polytheistic. They had different gods, different beliefs. But when you use the language, it's in English here. But when you get to the word God, it's actually the word Yahweh. It actually is the, the, the God of Israel. It's not just some sun god or moon god or anything like that. It's, it's the Lord God when, you, when we read it here. It says, so Pharaoh asks his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed this meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you. He, then he goes on, he says, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne I will be greater than them there's a pattern that's happening here isn't it Joseph is he goes to Potiphar and he's then in charge then he's in the prison and he's charged and now he goes he's like second command of the entire Egyptian empire what's going on God was not only with Joseph in this situation, but God was showing himself. In fact, the unbelievers themselves are recognizing the favor of God on Joseph, that there's something special about him. There's something unique about him that they recognize. Ask for it. There is a, there is the, there's abundance, and then there's a drought that comes over the land, and the famine hits. Scripture says that neighboring nations have to come and basically beg to Egypt for help. And guess who's in line for the help? The brothers. Joseph's brothers. And it says that it, because he was you know, younger and everything, he didn't recognize Joseph as older. But Joseph remember, remember these cats. He saw them coming. And he goes, I know those faces. And it's interesting is that if anyone had the right I mean, if anybody had the opportunity to really stick it to them, 
What well, you know what I'm saying? You know, these are these are people that that you know maybe they, you know they've 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 done it over one over on you. They're 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 you know there's times. I mean, you think about what Joseph went through. I mean, they plotted to kill him. They sold him as a slave. He had to he had to he was falsely accused. He thrown in prison for many years. I mean, Joseph. They there was a they did a number on Joseph. What did what did he do? What do you do in that moment? Here's this opportunity. Well. What he does fits completely in, in line of, of how he sees God and how he sees himself really almost fit into God's great, amazing story with this one overarching experience that he had. And I think it's this, today, here's our thought for today, is this, when you know God is with you no matter what, that is all that matters. When you know God is with you no matter what, that's all that matters. There's a sense that Joseph, and the scripture says the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him. That I have a sense that maybe God, that Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. I know it sounds very basic. I know it sounds simplistic. But it's, I think it's deeply profound. And in fact, I think it's what not only gets us through life, but actually makes, makes life good. Look at Joseph's story and say, hey, that's not fair. I mean, you know, if anybody had the right to be bitter, if anybody had the right to really, you know, I mean, bring, you know, the heat, bring the opportunity to, to seek revenge would be this. But, but nowhere he does. Nowhere in Scripture we hear or there's reference to that, that Joseph was upset toward his brothers. There's nowhere it says that he harbored a grudge. There's nowhere where he's seeking any kind of revenge. What we find is that Joseph, well, he never let his heart seem to get to that place. I mean, some of us know what it's like. We, we, we maybe not have been literally sold as a slave, but we've been sold out. We've experienced being hated, maybe being betrayed by a family member, being falsely accused, maybe not actually physically be put in prison unjustly, but we've experienced some, maybe some prison emotionally. Maybe there's been times where we've been abused and neglected and pain and setbacks and disregarded and, and left out. We all have that. In fact, this very moment, your mental and emotional and your spiritual con condition all sum up where you are right now. It's, it's really how you and I have handled the hurt in our, in our life and, and how we, whether we harbor it in our heart. And so every day we have a choice, and even this very day, we have a choice. Do we continue to live as a victim of our own story? Or are we willing to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a better one? We have that choice every day. Here's the hard reality. Whatever has been done to you, whatever has been done to you, it's not your fault. It's not. You, you, we, we need to get that in mind. What harm has been done to you is not your fault. But what we do is we rationalize all the time. Well, if I would have done this, then they wouldn't have done that. Nope. What they did was wrong. What they did was wrong. What we have to look at is this. It's how we respond to the wrong that's happened to us. See, it wasn't your fault, 
But you and I, we need to own the fact that it's 100% our responsibility how we react to it now. That's very difficult to hear that. But if once we understand and come to the grips of that, of that is where our story is at this point, guess what? That will be getting the point that we can write a better one. Now that we have we taken responsibility for what we have, now we can move forward on it. So the question you need to ask yourself is this. Will I let my past hurt be my excuse or am I willing to take responsibility for my life right now? It doesn't excuse any of the hurt. In fact, we need to acknowledge the hurt. That's what I've been learning, that it was hurt and it was wrong. But what are we going to do with it from this very point? I, think this, I really think the story of Joseph, the example that he sets that's there, what we see really can speak to us of this reality of this, that the Lord is with us. This morning I want you to know, the Lord is with you. That is the reality. If we can live in that reality, then what, what do we do? Now, I'm way over time here, so I'm going to give, go a little quicker here. But here, know this. You can put these in. God is with you in your hopes and dreams. So let, let's look at that. Like Joseph, he was a little premature, don't you think, in what he did there. What did, it didn't help him too well. But let's not negate the hopes and dreams that we have. Sometimes we feel like, well, we're too young. So if you're in this room and you're younger going, I'm too young to have any. Nope, God's speaking to you when you're young. You're not, young, you're not too young to hear God. And guess what? You're not too old to make excuses not to do what God's called you to do either. God has given us all hopes and dreams. And I'm not saying you got to be Martin Luther King and I got a dream, but we do. We all have a dream. God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. So there's something within us. There's a dream, there's a desire, there's, a, there's something that's there. And it might not be like it's going to impact the whole world and fill a, you know, Washington Mall, which is amazing what God has used people to do such a thing. But what about around your dinner table this week at Thanksgiving. What about the people that impact, the dreams that God's given you? Is it going to impact those around? God has guided you toward this and he will, he will provide for you and show you how that dream can be fulfilled. So here's the deal. Be careful who you share it with. <laughs> be careful who you share your dream with. Find trusted people in a small group community and say, God's been speaking this way. And then have people speak into it and partner with you and say, God's leading me to this. And that's how you build a place of hearing from God. That's really important we do that. But know this is that God, and secondly, this is God is with you when you are betrayed and rejected. You know, maybe you put yourself out there and it's rejected or at matters worse, you think of what happened. Again, maybe you've never physically been sold as a slave, but you've been sold out. You've experienced suffering and things that happen to you. And you're going, you're going what, what it was over for, for Joseph? Over and over and over again. The Lord was with him. He went through this. The Lord was with him. He went through this. The Lord was with him. All on the lines. Even in that betrayal. Even in that rejection. That's where it comes. Now, that's where the test is in the pain. There's a testing in the pain. Lord, are you with me in the darkest and the, in the lowest moments? And, and many times we do, we go to the lowest moments and we go, we're at the end of ourselves, and we sing, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And we, that's, God comes and God says, I'm here with you. But also not just in the pain and the low points, it's also in the promotion of the high points. God is with us. See, another thing to know this is God is with you in the vindication. He's, in, he's with you in the good times. He's with you. 
Over and over and over, Joseph went through suffering and then there was favor. Joseph went through suffering that was favor. Another word for favor is there is God's grace. God's grace is with you in the sufficiency of his grace to help you through and provide for you. But this thread you see of Joseph is he did not did not respond. He did not harbor hurt. He didn't let it affect him. He, he seemed to work through it, and God was building his character and gave him opportunity, but he didn't forget that God was the one that was doing it. When he was a slave to, to Potter, Potiphar, what did he do? He, he, God showed favor to him. When he was put in prison, God showed favor to him. When he was brought before Pharaoh, God showed favoritism to him, to him. but he didn't forget God in, the, in, that, in that promotion. Why did God bless Joseph? It just seems like there was something about his life that, 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 that he didn't complain, and yet God promoted him. I don't know about you. There's not too many people I know that, that when, in their complaining and their crappy attitude that, God, that, that people, they got promoted. Do you know anybody like that? I find that the people, if you want to like be promoted in your business, don't be the complaining employee, Okay. Don't be that person. It's, it, it's just the way it is. I, I, you know, it, there, there's, there's something about an attitude that's there. There's something that's there. And, 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 and I can't think of anybody I've seen that happen to where they, that, that, ha that happened. And so I think God so wants to bless our lives, not just with any like power and influence and all of that and possessions, but there's this favor he wants to put on our lives because our hearts don't get there. Our hearts don't get to this place that, that, that are harboring hurt to do something with it, to be freed from whatever that might be. And so that, know this, is that when, with God, or God, I'm sorry, God with us, there, there's courage and strength to forgive. That there's courage and strength to forgive. For Joseph, this must have been so hard. I mean, to re be reunited with your brothers, it must have been so complex. You know, and yet God was doing, had a bigger story that was happening and it was going to do that. But I, was, I find it interesting in verse 45 when, he, you know, when you read kind of the process, it wasn't like everything's all good and everything's fine that Joseph does, but there's a process that he goes through. But he, he doesn't redefine the hurtful actions. He just describes them accurately. He says, I am, when he says, hey, when he, he says, guess who I am, guys? I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. What is he doing there? I'm the guy. I'm the little brother. No way. You're the little brother? Yeah. And guess what? I'm the one you sold into slavery. What is he doing? He's acknowledging, you guys did hurt me. You guys did hurt me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not covering this up. You see, I've noticed in church many times what people want to do, they want to sanitize the hurt sometimes. They want to, what they want to do is like, oh, this happened to you. Okay, all right, well, let's pray for you to get over that hurt. And I get that. We want to get over it. We all do, right? But I think sometimes, and I'm learning through therapy, is sometimes we just want to get through. My mom used to say that all the time. Well, Danny, we just need to get through it. We just need to get through it. We need to get through it. And I get surviving. I get that understanding of moving on, moving on, moving on. But when you move on, you move on. You never dealt with what's behind. And the, and the past becomes the present. That's a problem. And so I'm learning, and Kevin was the one, and he, the other day we were on a Zoom call with him, and, he, and I was saying, and I was talking about this, I said, yeah, and then my mom got married, and this, this, this uh, you know, that my stepdad, he, he punched me in the face a couple times, and threw me off a counter, and, and but, but then we, you know, then we, I got through that. He goes, whoa. 
stop you right. Puts a hand. I see this big hand in the Zoom call. He goes, wait, we're not going any further here. We're going to stop. Dan, stop. Listen, that was wrong. I said, I know, I know it was wrong. He, no, no, no. That was wrong. That happened. That was, you know, and what happened was, it was this moment that hit me, and, and I want to call that up for you, is whatever is happening to you, that was wrong. Whatever abuse, whatever harm, whatever neglect, whatever betrayal, it was wrong. It was zero excuses for it. And we have to acknowledge that, and we have to, I'm not saying we sit in that forever, but it needs to be mentioned. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be, there needs to be set in and understanding others to come around and say, call out for what it is. And I tell you, for me, it was very liberating. It was very liberating just to hear another human being call out what, what it is because we can rationalize and we can justify and we think, well, I shouldn't have mouthed off, mouthed off to my mom when that happened and I, maybe I deserve to get punched. No, I didn't deserve to get punched in the face as a teenager, right? It was wrong. It was wrong. It happened. And what ha when I do that is then I had to come to a place like, well, I'm going, what am I going to do with that wrong? Am I going to let it sit and fester and just, just move on? Or am I going to be careful not to let it do that? And I, I want to wisely advise you as well. Hebrews tells us this. It says, see to it that no one falls short of, of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I, what I had to recognize is there is a bitter root, that there is something that's there, not just to move on. See to it. I don't want to miss the grace of God, and hopefully you don't want to miss the grace of God in your life to actually call it out for what it is, but not to let that hurt harbor. Maybe ask this question courageously, saying, who am I harboring hurt towards that I need to forget? There's a process of forgiveness that we're there. What, what is that that might, we might want to do? And there is some work there. And even I, I'm kind of sensitive to the time but, and move on so quickly. But I want to recognize that there's some work that needs to be done. And if you need some therapy, if you need some help, please talk to me. Let's help you go through the process maybe that I'm going through that's, that may be similar to say we got we to gotta address what it is. But there comes a time where this this freedom is going to come and that God wants us to experience his favor and a greater favor in our life. And so how we handle the hurt leads to this greater good. Because finally, the, the goal is this, that God is with you in his greater purpose. That God is with you in the greater purpose. That everything you go through, in our Bible basics class, I pointed out, we were talking about, I brought up about atheism yesterday. I think one of the, the cruelest things about atheism is, is when really bad, terrible, tragic things happen in our life, and there's no explanation of it, and there's nobody even to blame about it. Because like, well, that's God, and he's sovereign. Well, why would God do that to us? At least we say, well, God has some kind of greater plan that we don't know. When there's no God to blame, then there's, it's cruel, because none of it has any meaning whatsoever of a tragic death or loss or what's happening. And so all that to say there's this greater good, and it seemed that Joseph didn't harbor the hate. He didn't let it affect him. And in fact, look at verse 15. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Now jump to verse 18. It says, his brothers then came, check this out, threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. Boy, Joseph had an opportunity right there. Hey, I told you so. 
I mean, don't you, don't you, I mean, some people live for those moments, right? Some people go, all right. People reading that, you're, you're going like, all right, Joseph, this is your shot. This is your moment to stick it to them. You got them, man. Do it. Finish up. Right? That's my uh, Cobra Kai or, Kai, you know, to, to credit kid, right? Listen, that's the moment, right? But what does he say? Here's, here's the shot. He says this, verse 19. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph recognized, despite the pain, despite all that happened to him, it's just not his job to do that. He's not. In fact, the Bible says in Romans that God himself says, I will take revenge. I will, I will pay them back, says the Lord. This fulfillment happened. This opportunity to take revenge is, is not the goal of this. The greater goal, what's the greater, well, it's this epic moment of, of redemption. It was this moment. Check out verse, verse 19. Here it is. This is so classic verse. He says, you intend to harm me, but God intended for the good to accomplish what now is being done, the saving of many lives. Can I tell you your story, what's happened to you, the pain that you've gone through, the difficulty you've gone through, it was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong. And it was evil. And we have an enemy who wants to take us out and we live in a sinful world and people do evil things and selfish things. It was wrong. But God wants to make it good. God wants to use that harm and do something with it. And if we, if we can let go of the harboring, if we can let go of you know, what might be you know, lodged in our heart to let that go, that God wants to bring this greater freedom in our lives. What's the goal? To see many lives saved. What a powerful statement. How could Joseph say this? How could he go there in such a thing? Because he knew and recognized the Lord was with him. I wonder if we could say the same thing. Is it possible that our story could be reframed? Not to negate what happened to us, but to be reframed to a, a powerful story, not just pain, but one of redemption. Think about this. It's probably the hardest thing that any of us could ever do is to do that. The hardest thing, the worst things that we've gone through, that God somehow could accomplish something good, not that was good, but from it, good could come. And what we do is we go to Scripture, and when we, when we struggle with this, we struggle with Romans 8.28 all the time. We look at it as a bumper sticker, and also we just can't believe it. But what is Romans 8.28 says? We know in all things, God... In all things, God works for those, uh, for the good of those who love and are called according to his purpose. This greater purpose. What a powerful thing to know. The story of your life is less about you endure, enduring it, but it's all about what God wants to do is redeem it. That's the work that God wants to do. He not only wants you to endure it, but he wants to redeem it. And it's, it's this whole beautiful reason why we can look at all of the Bible and even the, especially the book of Genesis and as we come into Christmas season that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. I love the story of Joseph because Joseph's story is the Jesus story. Joseph's story is, is in Jesus' story the same. They had fathers that loved them dearly and they were shepherds of their father's sheep. 
They were sent by the fathers to the brothers. The brothers hated the others and plotted to harm them. They were sold the price of a slave. Jesus sold 30 pieces of silver, if you know that story. He, he was, they, were, they were tempted. They were taken to Egypt. They were falsely accused and unjustly sentenced. They are placed between two prisoners. One was saved. One was lost. Both of them, 30 years old, started the beginning of their public recognition and ministry, uh, you know, being known. For, they forgave those who wronged them. They saved, their, they, they saved the people. They, exalted, uh, they were exalted after suffering. And what people meant to harm, then God made good. Joseph's story and Jesus' story are the same, but that's also our story as well. We have the same story. Yeah. These guys, as we're wrapping up, and I want to go to prayer, I want to, I want to make sure, way over time, but I want to make sure I, I tell you the living room, that living room. And, and you know, Kevin, he, he asked that question, you know, these questions, where were you? What happened? How did you feel? And then he asked me this question. This question has never been asked me in the 38 years and how many times I told that story. And this was so, it just dislodged something in my heart. He just says, Dan, who was with you? And I'm like, what do you mean who was with me? I, I was in the room. There was lots of people in the room. There, my, where was your mom? Well, my mom was there distraught. My, my other family members, my neighbors were in there. It was just a bunch of people in there. No, 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 no. Who was with you? Who, who came and, and put, their, put their arm around you? Who, who, who was there that just comforted you? Just, just said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. Nobody. Nobody. It was that moment that I recognized that this abandonment thing, like times I just feel like by myself and I'm with people and by myself or this happens and these people left and these people walked out of my life, this going on and this change happened and these people died and more people died and, and all that. That's, the, you know, and I feel like it's there. It's it's that's the pain, and and he just he just said, hey, what could you believe that the Lord is was with you in that moment, and his arms around you, and said, it's going to be okay. You know, those are the very last words that Jesus said before he left the earth. What he says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Surely you, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. This morning, I want to ask you the question as we go to prayer. Where are you in the living room of your life right now? Where do you need the Lord to be with you? Is it his peace? Is it assurance? Is it, is, it, is it letting go of shame and what you have done and who you've hurt? Where are you? But wherever you are in that is you know that the Lord wants to reframe it for you and say, I am with you. I am with you. My, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And what's the goal? Not only to save your life, but you have a redemptive story to help others do the same. Will you pray with me? And Lord, we, as we go into this, this holiday season, oh, it's such a bittersweet experience, Lord. It's so bittersweet because it's such a great opportunity, Lord. We, we love the lights. We love the food. We love the gifts. We love the festivities. It's so good. It's, it's redemptive, Lord. There's so much you can do when we, when we... But then there's just this other weight we feel. And those in this room, those who are watching online know this feeling. Like there is... 
it's the height, it, 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 it emphasizes loneliness, Lord. It just shows what we maybe don't have and who we don't have. And, and Lord, could this, could this year be different, Lord? May those in this room that maybe share the same abandonment narrative that I have, Lord, could it be different this year? Could we believe for that? Could we truly experience, like Joseph experienced in the midst of all that he went through and all that he experienced, that he really knew and that we would really know the Lord is with us. And that is all we need, is him. Lord, thank you for that, Lord. Be reminded. And I pray that over those here today. Lord, in the living room of their own heart, Lord, is there something here that, Lord, you want to dislodge? Is there something here that you want to break free from them, that they no longer have to believe that false narrative that nobody's with them, but believe the truth that you are with them? That, Lord, maybe it's peace. Maybe it's assurance. Maybe it's strength. Maybe, maybe it's just filling that void with your very presence that they feel, Lord. And God, as we, 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 we experience that and feel it, Lord, may be something that we can carry with us, Lord, that you bring that truth to us. And Lord, will you help us to remind each other that we're not alone? Will you, can we be the body of Christ, Lord, in this, this community, this Christmas season, that we can put our arms around others that need this, that tangible expression that we're not alone, that ultimately, Lord, you are with us. Emmanuel, God, with us, Lord. May that sense of depth and the presence of you, Lord, be imminent and in us and all through us, now through this church and this community, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We invite you to stand. Every week we have opportunity for prayer. Maybe today's your day. Maybe shall we give the Lord a hand for what he's doing. That today's the day. Today's the day is we're even singing here in our last song. We have a team coming forward. I'll be available for prayer even afterwards. Don't miss this opportunity. But let's let's sing this together. Let's declare who you are. You are not abandoned. You are who God says you are today. Let's declare it here. Have a great Thanksgiving. God bless you. See you next week.